What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 42 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Shouts to the good people at Body Armor, Combo Nation. We are out here. Today's show, USA Today's Brian Kalbroski joins in to share his thoughts and give an early look on the 2019 NBA Draft. Brian does great work with Hoops Hype as well. Go check that out. This was a great conversation, man. You know, this is this is something I enjoy, man. Breaking down players' games, evaluating players, even comparing players. Um, I think this episode will bring you guys some tremendous value and information. Big shouts to Brian for joining in. You can follow Brian on Twitter, N-I-G, at Brian Kalbroski. That's B-R-Y-A-N. K-A-L-B-R-O-S-K-Y. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, write on your Apple Podcast app. Shout out to the Spotify community as well. We see you. Let's get into it. Last year, you know, the draft, the storyline, the theme of it was a lot of bigs in the first, in the lottery, you know. Is there a theme or storyline that you think will go into this year's draft? I think that the whole storyline for this year's draft is just going to be Zion Williamson. I think that people are are really excited about him. And I think outside of that, uh, there's not as many teams that are looking to necessarily, like, tank um, in years past. I think that uh, because typically, you know, you're going to want to tank for, for a deeper class. Uh, this year, you know, it's definitely more of a one-man show. And um, it's definitely going to be a situation where, you know, Zion is somewhere, uh, someone who can really change a team and, and add a lot of excitement. Um, and the rest of the players, you know, aren't exactly as heralded. There's always going to be a diamond in the rough. There's always going to be someone who stands out um, and kind of surpasses expectations. But, I think heading into the draft, I think that uh, it's definitely a, a situation where teams are a lot more excited about Zion than anyone else. Definitely. Do you feel that teams feel that Zion is the better player than RJ, or they just feel he's more box office? Um, I think definitely they feel he's a better player. I mean, RJ has been a little bit of a disappointment so far in college. I think he can be a little bit more passive. Obviously, when you're playing with as many stars as Duke has on their roster, it's a little bit harder to um, to manage, you know, getting your own usage rate up like that. Uh, and I think that, you know, you, you're losing touches, you know, playing at a school like like uh, like Duke um, when you have, you know, other other star players surrounding you. So I think that that's kind of the main takeaway when I look at uh, someone like RJ is I'd have to kind of imagine that, you know, he would be doing more for obviously like a mid-major or for even a different Power 5 school where he was the, the lead star. Um, but I think overall, you know, uh, a team like Duke, the fact that Zion was able to stand out uh, or so far has been able to stand out um, probably makes folks that are in NBA front offices more excited uh, because that's kind of how it's going to be in the NBA as well. You're going to have to have, you know, more more talent around you. And he's still able to kind of make uh, the, the, you know, make the best of it. Um, I think that Zion would probably do well. You know, in a in a lower usage role as well. I mean, maybe not like a third or fourth option. I think you know throughout his career he'll probably be a first or second option. 
Um, but, you know, the lower, you know, even on the lower option, if he just, you know, is playing in transition and then is asked to, um, you know, get the ball in the rim by, you know, attacking the basket, which is something he's just so lethal at, uh, I think that he'll still do a fantastic job at that, almost like, you know, um, you know, you've heard the term like a B minus version of a right. player, like he's like the A plus version of a Julius Randle in that sense. Right. So do you feel teams have cooled on RJ? It's just that Zion's been so spectacular. Um, I, I think that, you know, from everything I've looked at, RJ is still regarded as a top three prospect in this draft. So, you know, if you're a top three prospect, it's hard to imagine that, you know, you're, we're really saying that we've cooled on you. Um, but right. at the same time, like, I, I do imagine that, um, that you know, before the draft, he kind of was seen as the number one guy. And so they've cooled a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, from, from, from what I've gathered from the mock drafts that I've seen, I mean, RJ is still a player who um, is going to be, you know, a very talented um, player in the NBA. I mean, he's, right. he's shown he's shown a lot of uh, flashes of potential and, you know, is, is one of the more heralded uh, Canadian prospects to ever play the game. Um, the one thing that I think I would just kind of take away is just the passion that he brings to the game. And I think that, you know, just to make a, a too easy of a comparison, I think people have kind of, similar concerns about Andrew Wiggins, his fellow countryman, and I think that that's kind of plagued Wiggins and his reputation in the NBA. I think that, you know, there's there's kind of similar questions about RJ. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily buy into that. I think that, you know, when I met with him, um, you know, during uh, the combine or during team workouts, that would be the main thing that I'd be looking for, though, is his passion for basketball. And if it if it shows to me like he's legit, he really wants to get better and improve himself and be one of those guys who just loves the game and a workhorse in that sense, then I'm then I'm I'm fully in on him. Um, especially if I you know, have if he's available past the past the two pick. I mean the two pick right. is probably where he'll go, but if he's available past there, that's a that's a really good value at that time. Right. I, I got I had the chance to see RJ play up close um, in Queens last year. And he did have a lot of energy, but it's a little bit different when you're the best player on the court by far. But what I did think was he was NBA ready right then and there. I don't even know. I don't honestly, I don't think RJ and Zion even belong in college. I wish they did away with the one and done rule. But yeah, I wanted to uh, move on to Cam Reddish, man. He's probably the best shooter out of the three. Um He'll be able to switch on um, pick and rolls probably really well in the league, and, and all those and all those skills translate. Would you be surprised if Cam actually ended up the best NBA player? No, I don't think I would actually. I, I got a chance to see Cam Reddish play um, uh, at the uh, um, uh, the Jordan Brand Classic here in New York last year, and he he definitely was one of the more electrifying options. I think people were uh, really excited to actually see him play like ISO ball and you know, we're standing up and, and cheering whenever I got the ball. But, you know, right now I, I just pulled up his stats and, you know, he's taking two point or he's taking seven threes a game, but only making 2.5 of them shooting right. 35.8% from the, from the college distance. Um, right. I know. I mean, I'd be very curious. And the Stepien actually has this, so I'm going to look this up right now as well. Um, but I'd be curious what his shot chart looks like right now from the, uh, from the NBA distance, how he's shooting from there. And that's kind of one thing that I like to really see is just kind of checking, um, you know, where they're, how, how they shoot from NBA distance. And, you know, I think that Cam is someone who uh, has a lot of the skills needed to be in the NBA. Um, he is shooting better on NBA threes than he is uh, the regular side. He's shooting 40% on NBA threes, which is, you know, 
about where you'd want to be, I'd imagine, a little bit a little bit less, you know, for someone who's going to be a three-point shooter, but at least it's better than 35% clip, you know, we had seen from uh, his regular threes. Kind of interesting to see, though, that he's, you know, shooting better from deeper. Uh, that's kind of like a Steph Curry trait, right? Um, right. So I would definitely say that, you know, realistically, um, I, I would like to see, uh, you know, Cam Reddish uh, on my team, but I think he might be uh, potentially more of a role player in the NBA. Um, I think, you know, the question with him is going to be his defense. And if he can kind of be a three and D guy, he'll have a long career. And if he's not, um, you know, it, you, you never really know how someone matches up against NBA defenders until you see them actually do it. Um, you know, there are certain guys you can kind of predict it with. Uh, but, you know, if he can be a 3 and D guy, then he'll be a valuable player for a long time. Yeah, let me ask you a question. I consider you a draft expert. And a lot of people say that uh, free throw percentages is a great indicator on how well of a shooter they'll end up being. So what's Cam's free throw percentages like? And is that, does that hold true? Usually? Well, he's, he's shooting about 72% right now, uh, okay. which, you know, is, is a little bit less than you'd want to see as well. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you saw Lonzo in college – uh, shot 67%, um, and his three-point percentage was 41%. I mean, Markel Fultz, another, uh, you know, another uh, – kind of Markel Fultz is sort of the exception to the rule because he literally forgot how to shoot. But right. he actually only shot 65% from free throw during college. They found out it was physical, right, and not mental, m- more so. Well, the thing with Markel Fultz is he, we, don't, we don't really know. I right, mean, right. Pe- pe- people can say something, but a lot of, a lot of what you're looking at is going to be, you know, kind of hearsay. And, you know, there, there's an agent putting out a side and there's the team putting out the side and there's medical. And then, yeah. you know, there's his camp. And I think just across the board, you know, you're going to get a lot of mixed messages. I mean, we recently posted on Sixers Wire uh, here at USA Today Sports Media Group. Um, the, a source told us basically that, um, you know, the Detroit Pistons are totally interested in Markel Fultz and would trade for him despite his jump shot not being where they wanted to be at. Um, the problem is not the jump shot. The problem is the lack of transparency. They don't know when he's coming back or when he'll be able to come back from whatever he's suffering from right now. And they just don't know what he's suffering from. That's the issue. So I think that, you know, we're transitioning a little bit into that Mark yeah. conversation, but yeah. that's kind of the, the general takeaway with him is that um, I think that, you know, they, they're seeing somebody who, um, they're just not sure uh, what his deal is. And I think that, you know, that's the concern with someone like Markel. Yeah, I wanted to move on to uh, the late Manute Bull's son. Had a chance to watch him play. And when I saw him play, I felt like he lacked the motor that day. He didn't look happy. But I don't know. It could have been just a bad day for him. Did you see him uh, at the Garden? I saw him in Queens in the same game as R.J. Barrett. I think it was called the National Tournament. It was about, I think, a year and a half ago now. But... um they say he has a great skill set and an improving jump shot. Um, is there bust potential, Bobo, or you pretty much feel like he'll be a legit NBA player? So his, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I went to Oregon, um, and okay. there's there's probably you know few programs <laughs> that I pay more attention to as such. You know, I follow the recruiting with Oregon. I follow, you know, even the guys who almost went to Oregon. I'm kind of keep a closer eye on them. Like even, even someone like Jamal Murray who considered Oregon, I still think about, you know, I'm, I'm still looking at like, uh, I'm still looking at, you know, that whole trail leading up to it. So 
when yeah. Paul Bowl committed to Oregon, that was a huge day for the program and a huge, you know, a huge moment because that's that's the best player to ever commit to Oregon, regardless of what he does in the NBA, just because of, you know, what his potential was. Um, I When I saw him play, I saw him two days in a row at Madison Square Garden here in New York, and I had a chance to, to sit very close, um, you know, in the press seating, and um, I saw him play against... Uh, Syracuse for one of the games when he got a win and the day before he was cramping a bunch and a loss um, and he looked very passive he looked like he wasn't playing with much of a motor he right looked, he looked to me like every rebound and every and then this is some I, I'm really rooting for this guy but it looked like every rebound and every block that he got was a coincidence um, like the ball just sort of found him like in orbit um, yeah. I really liked almost in the Jokic sense where he would kind of stand at the top of the key and be taller than everybody else in the high post and, you know, just be able to find the open man because he could see over everybody. That right. was a huge advantage. Um, his jump shot looked pretty pretty clean. Um, I think that, you know, that's something that could translate. Um, but Porzingis plays the game with an intensity that Bull Bull simply doesn't. And I think when you look at the two of them, um, I think that's probably as close as NBA comparison. Uh, but Bull Bull doesn't doesn't play as passive. I spoke with an NBA player who told me, um, you know, off the record that, you know, he, he thinks that if Bull Bull, this was before Bull Bull got hurt, but if Bull Bull wanted to be the number three pick in the draft, he could have worked hard enough to do that based on his physical frame, or he could do nothing, you know, literally just exist with his size and his name and his reputation and still be a lottery pick, probably a late lottery pick, but a lottery pick. Um, any team that is going to draft him uh, should understand that he's still a couple years away, maybe maybe a few years away um, from making any kind of impact at the next level. Um, so like a like a thought maker situation. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty similar to that. Yeah. Pretty similar to that. Um, I think that uh, there's you know there 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 are players who have taken a while to develop, um, and, and that that isn't always a bad thing. But right. anybody who expects him to kind of make an impact and, you know, he was putting up over 20 points a game, um, you know, in college and putting up a ton of yeah. points. But that very was more, he's very skilled. Very skilled. Yeah. But yeah. that was that was mostly like a size thing. I mean, I spoke with somebody. Um, this is not necessarily uh, an accurate comparison based on his based on his size. Um, but, you know, Al Jefferson is somebody who averaged, you know, less than 10 points a game and less than six rebounds a game for his first couple years in the league. And then, you know, a few years after that, you know, he, 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 he blossomed and was averaging 20 and 10, the biggest right. fourth year in the league in Minnesota, in Minnesota. So I think that, you know, it could be a similar situation to that where it might take three or four years to get him really um, into the shape, into the playing way, into the passion that um, you, you expect from somebody uh, at, at a lottery pick. Uh, when I think he will be a lottery pick. Um, I mean, Troy Brown from Oregon last year uh, was, you know, uh, a first-round pick, and I think that that Bull Bull has a lot more potential than him. Um, but you know, it's it's almost like uh, like like Kenny Wooten from Oregon has like the opposite problem with Bull Bull. Kenny Wooten almost like he's too he's too athletic. He's almost like putting in too much um, too much strength into plays. He's like you know his body's getting the best of him. He's he's almost trying too hard. He needs a little right. more finesse. Um, you know, that's the other guy in the front court for Oregon. And I think with Bull Bull, if he can kind of take a little bit less, take a little bit of lesson from his teammates, um, we'll, uh, we'll have, um, you know, more success for him in the future. Is there worries about 
Bol Bol's defense? Because in the current NBA, it, it, it could be – it seems like he's not quick enough to guard a guard when he switches out on pick and rolls, and he might not be strong enough to guard a big that's powerful down low. Is, is there any issues with that? Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised about that. Um, the, the issue with him – I mean, he's, he's an amazing shot blocker. Right, right. Rim protector, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely a, definitely a solid rim protector. But I think like his would, father, like his yeah, father. <laughs> definitely. I mean, his father is one of the most prolific rim protectors of all time yeah. in that sense. Um, but you know, I think that uh, Oregon was often when I saw them, they were often playing him in his zone, and I don't think that was doing him any favors. Um, right. I think that he, in a, in a man defense, um, he might be a little bit more committed, whereas in a zone defense, he was a little bit more passive. And I think that you know. Um, what you were saying, you know, about, about switching, maybe a zone might not be the worst idea, but I think right. getting him, getting the most engaged version of him, you almost have to play him in a man defense. Yeah. I wanted to um, take it to New York, man. I got to see St. John's play a few times, and uh, I got to see Shamari Pons play. And I feel that Shamari is a great player, a go-to guy, a go-to type player, but I don't know if he's good enough to be a go-to type player in the league. I don't know if you ever saw the, the TBT tournament. But there's a team called Overseas Elite, and they got a lot of guys like this that are talented enough to be in the NBA, in my opinion. Just they don't fit an NBA role. They fit mm-hmm. more of a go-to role. Um, is that fair to say about Shamari? So we, we at, at Hoops Hype, we, we have about five mock drafts that we follow. NBADraft.net, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Athletics, Sporting News, and Bleacher Report. And then we take the aggregate mock draft spot for, for each of them and kind of give it a score. Uh, to show where he's basically trending right now. Shamari is currently at 38, uh, but that's because NBADraft.net has him at 55, and um, SI has him at 52. The rest of the publications that we're talking about have him, you know, like fringe as a fringe first round. So I think that, you know, he he was somebody who I think could have gotten picked last year as well, probably in the second round, though. Um, but, you know, you look at someone like him and you see, you know, exactly what you said. I think that um, I think that there's there, there's definitely a lot of potential for him. And I think if he, um, you know, if he's able to kind of continue to to show growth as he as he gets older, um, that that's great. I mean, he's shooting 40 percent of three pointers this year. That's his that's his best of his three years in college. Um but I think, you know, if you, you – he's, he has, like, you know, 2.7 steals per game. That's, that's fantastic as well. Right. Um, but I think overall, I mean, he hasn't shown enough improvement from last year when he was averaging 22 points a game to this year. He's averaging 21. I think overall you kind of need to see, um, you know, the, the overall trajectory. He's, he's obviously – he's shooting a lot better this year. I think, he's, yeah. you know, he, he's shooting close to 70%. So he's, Every game I saw, he really shot well. Yeah, and sure, I think yeah. you know you look at some when you when you see his shooting percentage, you know it, it, he's he's averaging the same points as last year, but he's doing it far more efficiently. You know this year he's doing it on fourteen shots a game. Last year he was doing it on eighteen. So those extra four shots that he was taking last year for the same output, you know, really really lowers his overall um, his overall uh, his overall value. Um, he's you know averaging fewer turnovers per game this year too. And I think with him, you know, you want to see him almost like in a in a Donovan Mitchell type role where he can be the main guy on the offense. And, and he can also, uh, you know, just be somebody who, um, you know, because he has played now three years in college, is ready to contribute from day one. So that's the kind of the thing you want to see from him is just, you know, how, how, how good he is immediately. 
and and that's kind of that's kind of the main thing that that I'd be curious about with him, with him as well. Right. I wanted to take it back to the lottery. Um, we talked about a few guys that will go lottery. Is there anybody projected in the lottery that really jumps out with you that is going to be that you think will be a great NBA player? Um, I mean, so there's there's definitely um, you know some interesting names uh, in, in the lottery. Um, I think that that you know John Moran is somebody who's been trending up uh, quite a ton recently. Um, I know that Kevin Porter from USC, kind of a similar situation. Um, one guy that I've just really loved watching play is Rui Hachimura, though, um, from right. Gonzaga. Um, Japanese kid, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, he's somebody who I think, you know, is going to be a lottery pick and uh, has a ton of potential. Um, I don't think he'll necessarily be the best player on your team, um, but he's somebody who I think is going to be able to fit a role really well. I think he's comfortable being a two or a three option, maybe a, maybe a four, but a really, really good one. Um, and, and is just somebody who I think contributes in various ways. Um, I, I like, uh, I've liked watching him play. I watched, you know, his full game against Duke when they won that game. And, um, you know, he, he wasn't much of a factor, but they still were able to get the win. So he's kind of had that winning, that winning mentality that I like. Um, his first year in college, he averaged you know, three points a game. Last year, he averaged 12. This year, he's at 21. You know, he's shooting 60% from the field. 40% from three, you know, he gets boards too. He's averaging six boards per game this year. Um, he's just somebody who I think uh, is going to be, he's just somebody who I just kind of feel like, you know, you know, is going to be pretty good. And that, and that's someone who I feel, um, you know, you, there's a lot of guys who can be, you know, boom or bust. And he's somebody who I think is just going to be, you know, a fairly good player. And that's, that's kind of the, uh, the guy who I've got my eye on the most. Um, and I think Romeo Langford is somebody who can be really, really good but he's just somebody who I'm not quite as sure about yet. You know, my listeners uh, are probably sick of me talking about Doncic. I, I, I put it on Instagram when uh, last year's draft, this guy will be the best player out of this year's draft. And people were telling me, no, you're wrong. But obviously I was right. <laughs> and they're sick of me talking about it. But I got, I've been talking about Doncic plenty of episodes. And I heard a podcast that you were on that you actually had the same feelings as me way back then. Um and we know this is a copycat league. So you think teams will be quicker to pull the trigger on drafting Euro players? Uh, no, actually. I, I don't think um, – I think that he surpasses that. I think that what was special about Doncic um, was specifically that, uh, you know, the, the, the scouts who spoke specifically about Doncic, you know, said that he – he's better than the guys that we were, we've been talking about, you know, right. the Euro scouts all said, this guy's better than Porzingis. This guy's doing it better. And what, I, what was special about Doncic and what, what drew me to him was his young age that he was winning. He was able to be the best player on a team that was winning championships, both for Slovenia and for, and for Real. And I think when you look at, you know, a player that can have that kind of impact at that age, you have to assume he's really good, right? So right. There, I don't think there's another player like him who's having, you know, there's there's a couple of Euros this year, but this is actually a really weak European draft. Like this specific draft is really, really weak for, for, for international players. Um, there's maybe two in the first round, like total. Um, there's uh, Sekau, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. There's uh, a young kid from France, right? That's a, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that. That might be the only real first round pick uh, for for that's international or that's like currently playing internationally. I and mean, then obviously R.J. Barrett is considered an international talent. But I mean, like currently playing internationally, I think this 
there's Seko. And, you know, on our list, he's currently ranked top 10. So um, he, he's definitely pretty good. But, I mean, the idea that Luca is going to bring, you know, more Europeans, I don't think is a fair analysis because or, yeah. or more Europeans – he might bring them over, you know, that inspire them to play at a young age, like Dirk Nowitzki did back in back in his day by being so great. But what I mean is, like, by by allowing you know front offices to feel less resistant. I think what was special about him was specifically how good he was in Europe, and I don't think we're going to see a talent like that maybe you know ever again. That seems like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, I think the level of play in Europe is almost, is understated in America. Like, I believe if like Jokic just stayed in Euroleague, his numbers wouldn't be the same as they are in the NBA. Like, it's tough to get numbers in the NBA. I mean, in Euroleague, like, the leading points per game is, like, 19, usually 20. It's a totally different game. And to be Euroleague MVP at that age is just ridiculous. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's way more of a system fit. Um, yeah. I've spoken with, you know, players like Jimmer Ferdet and a lot of other players who have gone on to play in China. And in China, they can play a game that's kind of more similar to the American style. Um, right, right. More, it, more China's more, China's more uh, like put fans in the seats box office type of thing. Exactly. And in Europe, they play system fit. They completely yeah. play systems. And I think that's great. And I think it's really good for their fan bases. And I think it's great for their head coaches. And I think it probably creates dynasties in a way that you've seen. Um, but you're absolutely right in that, um, you know, when you're playing in a system fit, it's a lot harder for you to be a star. So the fact that he was able to transcend all of that, where he became the system fit. I mean, um, you know, he was playing alongside a really, a really good point guard whose draft rights, you know, belonged to a Rockets and, and Lowell. Uh, Lowell got hurt and then he be, kind of became the main, main option. But even, even for Slovenia, when, you know, he was playing alongside an NBA all-star in Goran Dragic, he was still the best player. For right, him. right. He was better you, than an NBA all-star. So do you, see, I mean, do you see future MVP in his, in his future? Uh, it depends. Who's still in the league? Yeah, yeah, league, yeah. You know? um, LeBron, LeBron might still be good ten years from now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, you could see LeBron, you know, you know, five years from now in more of like a passive, you know, point guard role where he's just right. like, um, you know, a really big. We could play like a Ben Simmons almost. Like I, I could right. see, I could see LeBron having another chapter of his career. So not necessarily at an MVP level, but I think that you know when when Doncic is in his peak. Um, I'd just be curious to see who else is still in the league. But I think that, you know, he has more MVP potential to me than Ben Simmons does, uh, right. than Zion Williamson does, um, than DeAndre Ayton, than the other, you know, the other young guys. Um, I could see, I mean, you know, if you're talking the guys who are like younger than 24, like then I would say Joel Embiid, um, Nikola Jokic, and probably Carl Anthony Towns probably be, the other guys, you know, besides Doncic, who I'd probably include in that. Um, Jokic is in it this year, actually. You know, is in the mix. Yeah, yeah, he should be. You know, when when yeah. you have when you have a winning record and you're the system, you know, when you are the the, the reason why the team is as good as it is. Um, yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, the thing with Jokic, I I have an article coming out probably any minute now um, that basically explains that you know in half court sets so non transition opportunities, no one in the NBA is average or has more. Uh, assists than Nikola Jokic you know he's wow. he's a seven footer but he leads um you know leads the league in assists on set plays you know on organized drawn sets and that's amazing I mean you know the handoffs he gives to Gary Harris and the, and the way he's able to really create an offense uh for his squad is just completely unbelievable I mean watching him play I mean obviously he has those full court passes that are absolutely amazing um right. but the way he's able to do it you know I kind of mentioned this earlier with Bull Bull, but he can stand at the top of the key and just find the open man. 
there's nothing a team can do about that because he's, he's such a good mid-range shooter and such a good even three-point shooter that you have to guard him. You have to commit to him, which leaves other guys on the court just open. And when they're, when they're open, I mean, he finds them, and it's amazing. It's just such a pleasure to watch him play. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, in that conversation, Jokic and Bean and Doncic should all probably be considered, you know, future MVP candidates, absolutely. Right. I wanted to take it to the um... – before we get out of here, uh, I want to talk about the elite player contracts, those contracts that allow you to go from high school to the D League. Does it really make sense for an elite player to take one of these contracts? Well, $125,000 seems like decent money. Like they won't, they will miss out on the college experience. There's really the tradition of high level college basketball is enticing, the whole college lifestyle. And then in the D League, you know, the travel isn't the best. It, the, I mean, I know it comes from a good place, but. Does it really make sense from any player to take this option? You know, I think it really depends if they like their money clean or not. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. if, if, if they need money and, and they need um, and they need uh, and they need it fast, then yeah, they can and they need it clean. Then yeah, they can they can they should definitely consider that. Um, you know, and they, I, you like if they like So Falls in South Dakota, they've got a great G League team there. Um, uh, that's not necessarily the most exciting place to live. Uh, it right. might be more fun to play in Duke, you know, for 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 half a season, then head straight Definitely. to straight to an NBA team after that. You know, start your workouts. I mean, you know, you could go to USC and, and live in LA um, rather than living in, in Aguacaliente where the Clippers play. Um, you know, the G League Clippers. Uh, but you know, for a team to 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 get one of those guys, you're not giving them a two way contract. You're only giving them a G League contract. So even on the team side. You know, you get you maybe get an advanced look at him, giving some loyalty to the organization. But if the Grand Rapid Drive Pistons pick you, that has no affiliation with the Pistons the following year. So it's sort of like a, a two-way situation where it's like, who does this really make sense for? I think it's like, you know, I like the idea that there's now an option. Um, but it's almost like with, you know, the NBA draft for the All-Stars, right, where they were like, you know, we're going to allow it now where uh, it's not conferences anymore. It's it's the first step um, to to something bigger. I think that right now it's it might be it might be an option for somebody who you know wants clean money, like I said. But right. I, you know, um, in the future, it's more of it's it's just sort of a bridge to get to the next thing. So they're not going zero to one hundred. You know, they're going to zero to you know to twenty five to fifty to seventy five. I think you're going to see a similar thing with the All Star Draft, where you know soon it'll be you know no conferences matter at all, right? Um, you know, you can make the all-star team if you're an all-star player, period. Um, but they had to do this, you know, all-star draft thing first to kind of bridge that gap. Right. Well, Brian, uh, you're more than gracious with your time. You're always welcome back on the show, man. Uh, where can we find you? Um, you on could, social media. Yeah, you could find me anywhere by typing in my name, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Kalbrowski, K-A-L-B-R-O-S-K-Y. And before we get out of here, yeah, I usually ask this in the beginning, but where do you work, man? Where, where do you write for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I'm just like introduced to the Brian. <laughs> um, I, um, it's all uh, right when uh, when I put the uh, you know when I type it in in uh, Apple Podcast app, they'll see everything. Don't worry. So yeah, no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not worried. If you if you've listened this far, I mean, um, I imagine that means you might like some of my stuff. Uh, you, I mean, I work at USA Today Sports Media Group, where I'm the editor. Uh, for the NBA Wire sites, uh, we have seven sites, LeBron Wire, Alonzo Wire, two player sites, and then five okay. team sites, um, Rockets, Celtics, Thunder, uh, Warriors, 
and the team that I forgot, the Sixers. Um, <laughs> and then right. I'm also uh, I'm also one of the writers at Hoopsype. Um, so USA Today owns Hoopsype as well. So I work for Hoopsype and USA Today Sports Media Group. Wow, I didn't know that USA Today owns Hoopsype. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, Brian, thanks for being on. You're always welcome back. Yeah, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be here. There it is, man. Episode 42. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big shouts to Brian for joining in. It would mean the world to me if everybody would share this episode, man. Share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your colleagues, anybody you could think of, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment as well. Be on the lookout for episode 43. Combo out.